My guest for this episode is Caroline Say. She's one of the co-founders and the CEO of Compute Software. She also sits on the board of directors for the Coca-Cola Company and Morningstar. Caroline's a great example of someone that I feel like has had a tremendously successful career, what I call an invincible career. So in this episode, we're going to talk about her path, how she moved up the career ladder in product management, got involved in the business side of things, and then eventually founded her own software company. This is Invincible Career, and I'm Larry Cornette. Caroline, welcome to the show. It's been a while since Thank we last you. caught up. Um, for the listeners, can you start with telling us a little bit more about who you are and what you're doing right now? Yeah, sure. Uh, so thank you so much, Larry, for having me on the show. I've um, been in Silicon Valley almost my entire life and have uh, got, worked for large companies like IBM, Yahoo, and HP. Um, I started my company back in 2017, um, really from my time at HP and the, the personal experiences I had there. Uh, my company now is called Compute Software. I have two other co-founders. We're early stage, a seed stage company. And we're focused on how to help enterprises run on the cloud optimally. So, so that's what we do. That's really cool. Um, so how are things going? It's been three years. I remember you had just started it when we talked last time. So I guess it's, right. been, I guess it's yeah. been three years. It's been three um, years. How are you enjoying it? What are you thinking about the whole experience? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I would say this has been one of the most challenging things I've ever done. <laughs> um, uh, fundraising is a tough thing. Uh, right. But um, uh, building the company from scratch, you know, dealing with uncertainty, ever-changing direction. I mean, you generally have a vision, right? right? And, and you know where you want to head, but things change on an hourly basis given any yeah. kind of customer feedback and what we're doing. So, so yeah, it's, it's been a real um, interesting journey and a great learning experience. Yeah, I can imagine. So let's take a little bit of a walk back in time because I want to talk about how you got to where you are. So a little bit about your career path and any events that kind of pop up and stick out in your mind that helped you become who you are and get to where you are today. And if I take a look all the way back, you know, you got your, your first degrees, you got a couple of degrees from Stanford. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, CS in undergrad. And then I uh, did my master's in management science and engineering, which is like a okay, cool. quantitative MBA, if you will. Nice. And so what did you do after that? Yeah, so I did, did my undergrad in computer science, and then I knew that I didn't want to do software engineering. Like I, okay. I, I didn't <laughs> want to be a developer. Um, so that's why I did my master's in management science and engineering. Okay. I ended up um, going to IBM for consulting. Uh, so they have a large global services consulting practice. They work right. with a number of clients in different industries. And I thought that was a great way to get exposure to lots of different industries, lots of different types of companies and the way they do things. Um, but of course I could leverage my technical background in everything right. that I was doing. So, you know, you said you knew you didn't want to code. So what was the moment or, or had you initially gone into the CS degree thinking, yeah, maybe I will go into engineering, but what made you change your mind and pivot a little bit? I, I would say, Doing the CS degree was prompted by my parents and whether they were going to fund my <laughs> education or not. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing. Um, but, uh, you know, CS, 
I had done a number of internships in software engineering in undergrad. Okay. I thought, uh, you know, in terms of the way I work, the way I like to communicate and work with others, just it wasn't necessarily the best best fit, but I certainly wanted okay. to leverage my technical background. So, so that's what I took away with me for um, all my jobs and even, even today. Yeah. Yeah. You've done some really technical roles. I remember at, at Yahoo, where I first met you, you were doing some pretty tech stuff there as well. You were on the ad side for a while, working on the ad platform, and yeah. then came over and working on search and distribution. So you were there six years. Is that right? At Yahoo? Six years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and went through six CEOs at the time. That's right. So a lot of CEOs. <laughs> Is it, was it only six? Sometimes I felt uh, like yeah. we had a new CEO every <laughs> right. six months. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was a challenging yeah. time. Um, yeah. What do you think you learned from that experience? Because I, you know, I look back at my experience at Yahoo and, and talked with a number of other folks and great network, I'll say, is one of my best networks, the people that I met yeah. at Yahoo. So I certainly Absolutely. took that away. But in terms of setting you up for your next move, which was HP, what do you think Yahoo did in terms of getting you ready for that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so a couple of things come to mind. Uh, one, the, the consumer internet experience, um, I think has just been great and translated into the B2B world. So okay. much of what I did at HP was entirely B2B focused and my company and what we do today is as well. And, you know, developing product experiences, thinking about user experience and valuing that um, to, new techniques around advertising for marketing and sales. Um, all of that has kind of been leading the way for, for a lot of B2B companies today. Okay. So, okay. so I think that really helped me at Yahoo was to get very well-rounded um, consumer internet experience. Yeah. Another was, and I'll have to credit you, Larry, for this, is um, bringing me into a role as a manager and as a leader for the first time. Mm. Um, so, so, you know, you made a bet, you, you, you put me in a role where I had the opportunity to go build a team. And um, I learned so much from that experience in hiring in, in, in a kind of growth environment where, you know, I didn't have the people I needed, but I still needed to go get certain initiatives done. Um, and, and that really set me up for my role at HP, where I had to build a whole yeah. new team organization and business and, and what we're doing now at Compute since we're so early stage. Um, right. So those two things, I would say, were pivotal in my career okay. and time at Yahoo, and that really set me up for, for later time. So I would say that was an easy bet for me. <laughs> Anybody who knows <laughs> no, Caroline you. knows that. I have to that credit you for that. It's like... Well, I mean, everybody loves working with you. Um, and I'd say, you know, it's like you were always one of the folks that just you got stuff done. Like everybody knew it's like if you put Caroline on this project, you don't have to worry about it. It's going to get done. And she's great at working with other people. You're really good at reaching across the aisle, I would say, to the other organizations, um, both functional organizations like the engineering side. But I would say also the business orgs, because a lot of what you had to do, you had to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think you handled that with finesse. And so for me, it was an easy bet. It's like, of course, you know, I want Caroline working on this and, oh, and leading the team. You. So that wasn't, that wasn't hard oh. for me. Um, <laughs> so you did a really interesting thing as you moved from Yahoo to HP. And this is something I always tell people to do, and some are reluctant, but to look at that opportunity to be a promotion event. So you, when you went to HP, you were a VP. You became a VP yeah. at HP, at HP yeah. and then moved into general management as well. 
Um, is there anything in particular that you did or at least your thought process at the time that said, okay, this next move, yeah, it's going to come with a promotion as well? Yeah. Uh, so I was fortunate at Yahoo enough to get several promotions um, along the way. And um, I would say that, you know, while I was at Yahoo, the last few years, I kept toying with, could I start a company? Could I go right. to, should I go to a startup? Should I continue my corporate career path? Like, what, what should I do? Right. And I explored a lot of those areas. Um, and, you know, going to startups at that stage didn't necessarily make the most sense. Um, and, and we can definitely talk about all the reasons of that. Um, but that at that time in my career, it wasn't necessarily the right sense uh, unless it was like the perfect fit in terms of the role or being super um, going to a super late stage or being kind of earlier as a founder for early stage startup. But anyway, the opportunity at, at HP came up. Um, and I think what was so compelling about that, because I, I had to go back and forth, you know, HP has been around for some right. time. It's seen as like a legacy or old school company, you know, did I want to sure. get into that situation? Um, but the role was incredibly compelling. It was all about building a new business, a new team, a, an, an organization, and doing things differently at HP. Um, and then very importantly, I also had a boss there who was incredibly supportive and who was mm -hmm. kind of forward-looking at HP and willing to um, shake trees uh, and do things differently, uh, all, all in support of, of, of good business. But um, because of that, I decided to just go to HP and um, it, it actually surprised me how much HP uh, afforded me like all these opportunities and benefits to um, kind of build my career there. I, I just wasn't expecting that. I think at Yahoo, I was pretty um, insularly focused on getting my work done, um, but thinking about you know speaking opportunities, networking, you know all these things I just right. didn't necessarily think were core to my job. Um, were things I started to do at HP, and, and that um, helped tremendously. So what made you decide, it's okay, I've been at HP, I've got now this business experience, being a GM, which is a great experience. What made you decide, like, okay, the next move, now I'm ready. I'm ready to start my own company. Yeah, yeah. So starting a company, I think all the stars have to align. I, I thought I wanted to start a company at Yahoo at, at some point, um, but at HP, I personally dealt with a challenge with my organization that I wanted to go solve. In fact, I saw a lot of my customers and um, just even former colleagues at other companies that were dealing with the problem of mm -hmm. how you run efficiently and effectively on the cloud. And so right. from that a personal experience, I thought, okay, great. There's something that um, um, I, I'm interested in. You know, is there a big market opportunity? Yes. I mean, the cloud is growing. <laughs> <laughs> and especially given the you know, COVID situation, it's, it's accelerating yeah, right. in growth. Um, uh, so that, that happens to be a great tailwind for us. But, um, you know, while I was at HP, it was, you know, is there a huge market opportunity? I have personal experience with this, you know, and I have a passion for wanting to solve it because I dealt with it. And was the timing right with co-founders as well? So of course you can go start mm -hmm. your own company on your uh, as the sole founder, but I wanted to make sure that um, I started with other co-founders who had skill sets that could complement, and, and we have like a uh, the right mix to build product and then try to go to market. Mm -hmm. So the timing 
happened to be um, perfect for my co-founders as well. So okay. I would say like everything had to line up um, yeah. in order for me to say, all right, I'm going to go leave that that corporate career path and, and start a company. But that's, that's how I ended up doing that. So you said something really interesting, which I think is super important. And you mentioned that your co-founders complimented you. And yeah. so I think that's something that, that some of the people listening, and I've talked with some people that are just like, I want to start a company and I'm going to do it with my friends. And they're talking about potentially with, people who do what they do. So it's like, oh, mm. a couple of designers or a couple of product managers. I'm like, you're missing some of the critical elements of <laughs> what a startup needs. Yeah. So how did you think through that process of who would be the right co-founder, co-founders to partner with you? Yeah. Um, so, so given that I hadn't coded in many, many years, I knew that, that <laughs> I was not going to actually build the product. Right. Um, so I really needed co-founders that could do that. And, and also it's, about the type of product that we're building, right? Where even that in itself requires different types of engineering mm -hmm. or algorithms experience. Um, and so I happen to know one of my co-founders who is now actually my husband as well. <laughs> that's a, that's oh. a different topic. <laughs> um, but one of my co-founders is my husband who I had um, actually met a long time ago through friends, but he comes from a background of um, financial engineering decision modeling mm -hmm. and algorithms. And we really need that for the problem that we're solving today. And then he knew somebody who was focused on front end, back end engineering and DevOps um, okay. that we brought on as a team. So, uh, and then I do everything else, sales, marketing, ordering lunch, whatever it is. Yep. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, it's, um, it's really helped to make sure that we all have our kind of areas to play. And of course, in a startup environment, sometimes you're just all going to wear, you know, different hats. So sometimes my co-founders will even right. help me with marketing, messaging and language. But ultimately, do you have the right people and the set of skills to um, build your product and go to market? Right. So when you went to raise funding, how much of value did you have in your network that made that process a little bit easier? Cause I've, I've talked with that about with people too. It's like raising funding. It's hard. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work and it's challenging. Yeah. But when you have a powerful network, then it, it becomes a, a step change easier. And I don't know how much that played a role in your fundraising. Yeah. Um, so fundraising is, I would say the hardest thing I've ever had to do. It's okay. a true test of your kind of <laughs> emotional and mental, um, you know, uh, uh, sanity. <laughs> and um, when we raised funding, um, our, our first round of funding back in, in uh, 2017, we were actually pre-product and pre-revenue. Um, okay. At the time, it probably, I, I don't know, I, of course, the VC landscape and funding landscape changes and goes through yeah. waves. But um, at the time, I think being pre-product and pre-revenue made it harder for us to go raise that first sure. round. Um, however, yes, you know, the relationships I had from my times at IBM, Yahoo, HP certainly mm -hmm. helped to um, at least open doors and have immediate right. conversations with, you know, any, any VC in Silicon Valley or, or elsewhere that we wanted to talk to. Um, but you know, the hard part is, well, getting past that <laughs> yeah. and, um, going through the rounds, uh, you know, past that, making sure that ultimately, you know, the, the firm is, 
really excited about your company and, and who you are at that stage. Yeah. So I, I would say if it's pre-product, pre-revenue, they're definitely betting on the team, right? The yeah. team and the concept, yeah. Um, yeah. which I think is, that's something I think people overlook too. They're like, if I have a great product, then of course they'll invest in me. And I think at least my experience with investors is that they're looking pretty hard at the team too. <laughs> they're like, yeah. can this team yeah. execute? Is this team going to be capable of succeeding? Yeah. So it's not all pure product. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you don't have, it's like, if you don't check off all the boxes, then I think what they tend to default to is, well, do you have customers then and revenue sure. yeah. and what does that trajectory look like? Um, so I think that's, that's kind of their um, less risky way of looking at you. Sure. Yeah. So if you look back across your career, kind of going back to the beginning and think about where you are now, is there anything that you would have done different? Yeah, some, sometimes I wonder if, if uh, just things would be a lot different, if I had um, gone to an early stage startup uh, mm-hmm. versus been on that corporate career path for, you know, at least three, three different companies um, mm-hmm. over a decade period of time. And I, you know, I'm, I'm just wondering if in, in some of those cases I might've learned something or done things differently, mm, okay. started my company earlier or started a different company. So um, right. I, I don't necessarily know if I would have done that differently, but it's just, I'm kind of like curious. I, I felt like my career path was so structured initially and sure, um, sure. you know, what would have been things been like if it weren't that way. Um, the other was, it's interesting. You, you brought up, you know, worked well with others. Um, I, I think I didn't truly really understand how important that was until my time at HP <laughs> because yeah. HP was such a complex organization and um, essentially was going in to do, to do something different that, a lot of folks have been used to doing um, in a certain way. And so managing relationships became mm-hmm. even more important in that situation um, and building relationships. And then thinking about building relationships outside of the company for like your your brand, your future um, job or career and and networking purposes. I think those all those all come into play. So I wish I had done more of that um, throughout throughout my career and time. I see. Okay. Yeah, that's fair enough. So I guess on a related note, what advice would you give to people who are aspiring to go down that path? So somebody who's thinking, okay, my next move, I want to start my own company. You know, I want to raise funding. I want to find co-founders. Is there any gotchas that you know, they should look out for that someone who's been successful as you are knows about and can warn them about? Um, sometimes I talk to founder or people who want to start a company and they'll say to me, Caroline, I, I'm uh, still working at my full-time job. I'm kind of just playing on the side, looking at, right. at this thing um, and trying to see if it'll go somewhere. And I think, I think you can't have um, your feet in two different mm. places. Like you, okay. you know, it, it may be this recognition that when the time, like everything lines up, um, you have the right co-founders, you have a huge market opportunity, you have a vision. Like you should just right. go for it. I mean, if, if that happens, you should just go for it. Um, since I've gone for it, I've never looked back. <laughs> and um, I think that's, that's one thing to consider is I, I don't think you're, 
you may not be ready if you're if you've got two feet uh, uh, in two different places. Um, and then the other I would say is, uh, you know, get as much. I mean, this this sounds like um, basic advice, but get as much feedback as you can from customers. Uh, at the same time, just because they tell you they want something doesn't necessarily mean they'll pay for it. That's so right. <laughs> I would say, you know, one thing yeah. that um, if I would have, I could do differently, actually, back to your last question, early on in the company, we had embarked on building out a product based on customer feedback. But once we had it ready, they were, they were saying, oh, we're not willing to pay for that anymore because um, uh, we actually want this oh. other thing that's higher, that's more important to us. And so, so I think, you know, if you're, if you're going to learn that, like learn it sooner rather than later, right? So if you can have a prototype, right, right. Um, if you can get paid POCs, just even as a way to see if people are willing to pay for it, learn through that versus spending and investing all this time and money into building something, um, taking some time and then finding that out after right. the fact. And, so, so I yeah. think that that would be another piece of advice. That's an expensive lesson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, a, that's exactly right. Um, so I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about your board membership. So that's, yeah. that's something that I've been very impressed watching, um, because not everybody does that. And you've been on the board of some really impressive companies still. You're on the board of Coca-Cola, Morningstar. How did that all start? Like, how did you first get a board seat? And then obviously you've been on multiple boards since then. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, this is back to my time at HP. And um, while I was at HP, I ended up working with an executive coach. Um, uh, the reason why I was working with an executive coach was because I had dealt with so many challenges working in that environment. And my boss at the time said to me, hey, you know, do you want a safe place and a person or a coach to work with? And this is not to performance manage you. It's just to give you an opportunity to bounce ideas and get um, mm -hmm. um, thoughtful feedback. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I started working with an executive coach, and he told me that my career was not just about day-to-day -day execution. It was so much more than that. I had to think about, you know, all those things, the, your brand, your identity, right. um, thought leadership, right? Bringing your subject matter expertise to others and future organizations. And so um, we discussed that quite a bit. And um, he said, you know, what what is really interesting and compelling to you? And, and what gets you excited um, with work? And I said, well, you know, I really liked my time back at HP when I had the opportunity to work with lots of different organizations. And um, he just said, well, have you thought about board work? And he said, what do you mean? I thought you had to be retired or, um, you know, <laughs> far later in your career for something like that. And he said, no, that's something you should look into. And so I actually, from, from that discussion, started looking into board opportunities. And um, he also advised me to go speak at conferences and events, which I'd never mm -hmm. done before. Um, and actually, the first panel that I spoke at was a TechCrunch, um, I'm sorry, not TechCrunch, a VentureBeat conference. And okay. one, of the executives, one of the executives at Rosetta Stone happened to be in the audience. And he reached out after my talk and said, everything you talked about resonated with what we're trying to do, what we're trying to head. Would you be interested in meeting my CEO right. because we're looking for a board member? So that's how that got started. 
and wow. Rosetta Stone was my first board. Um, I joined back in December 2014, and once you're in the kind of public company boards net director network, it's it's quite small, so right. um, it's easier to to find opportunities um, or get reached out to for opportunities um, down the road. So Rosetta Stone, Morningstar, and Coca-Cola have been fortunate enough to be on those boards and to learn so much too from my experiences. That's amazing. You know, I, and I'm for the listeners, I did not coach Caroline to say that because <laughs> I, <laughs> I tell people all the time, but I tell them two things. It's like one, I've had a couple executive coaches and it made huge difference in my career. Huge. Yeah. And like you said, it goes way beyond your current job. So that's the value is unbelievable. And I always tell people, it's like public speaking. You got to do public speaking. Otherwise, people don't know you exist. I mean, you're kind of the perfect case study. It's like you spoke (laughs) and then somebody's like, hi, (laughs) would you like to be on our board? It's like, that's fantastic. Wow. Um, So just a couple of final thoughts or questions. So as we're dealing with this current situation, (laughs) the -hmm. pandemic and the economic impact of that and really thinking about what the future of work and companies are going to be. You had mentioned that that this has really accelerated, I think, the need for more cloud computing and the kind of work that, you, that your company does. How do you see this affecting our industry, the tech industry in particular? Yeah, so um, we're, I would say we're lucky compared to other industries by the way, yes. by, by way of being tech focused. I mean, there are many other, other industries who have not been so um, fortunate in, in this whole coronavirus right, and COVID right. situation. And, um, you know, other companies are only more and more in need of technology-based tools to mm-hmm. help their, their businesses and what they do. Um, I, I would say also, too, we've been in the fortunate position of, you know, with, when everything's can be virtually done or done online, we can do that remotely. Um, what I've seen though happen with different organizations and even my company is, it's like people are more productive. If anything, we actually mm. track usage of users on machines in the cloud. And we've okay. seen more usage <laughs> from individuals. So it's like people are spending more time online. So it seems like they're doing more work or Somehow, you know, doing more work. Um, however, I think team productivity has suffered a bit because you're oh, not um, collaborating as much. I mean, you're not in the office, right? Where someone right next right. to you, you can you can just say something to them and and get an answer right back. Um, so it's like individual productivity has gone up, but team productivity has suffered a little bit. Oh, and that's interesting. It's, okay. Yeah, it's like, and it's and it's just tiring, kind of being being here alone and or just via Zoom, <laughs> staring at um, a screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while I think a lot of tech companies are saying, "Hey, we're 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 going to shut down our offices entirely," or, um, "Hey, you know, don't come back to work until I don't know the end of 2021 or whatever right. it is," um, I think once we get past, um, you know safety around the COVID situation, mm-hmm. things may go go closer, a lot closer back to how it was pre-pandemic. Um, I think some things will change in the way of how people are working and concerns mm-hmm. around um, health and safety. Um, uh, you know, you might have more policies and procedures in place and, and thinking about sanitation or, or whatever it is. 
but um, I think people still kind of crave that, you know, in-person um, ability to work together to improve team productivity, to collaborate. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, some of your choices may, may, may um, change uh, a little bit on that front. Right. So I would say that's, that's, um, that's what I would think from, from the okay. uh, pandemic outlook. Well, I just wanted to thank you for your time today, Caroline. I really appreciate you coming on the show and learning about your amazing career path. Thank you so much, Larry, for having me. Where can people go to learn more about Compute Software? Uh, just go to computesoftware.com. Okay, easy. Yeah. You own it. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. It's great talking with you. Thank you so much, Larry. You too. I would like to call out a few points from our conversation that will help you as you create your own invincible career. First, it's crucial to build relationships and partner well with others. Caroline was always able to get so much done by being collaborative and kind versus confrontational and combative. Second, as you move up the career ladder, especially if you're interested in becoming a leader or starting your own company, Seek to partner with people who complement and balance your strengths and weaknesses. Finally, and of course, I'm a, I'm a little biased about this, I loved hearing how she worked with an executive coach who encouraged her to do more public speaking. As you heard her say, it opened doors to land her first board seat. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you would like to follow upcoming releases of the show, please subscribe. And as always, I appreciate your ratings and reviews. Thank you. If you would like to learn more about Invincible Career and the podcast, you can visit InvincibleCareer.com. Until next time, I wish you the best of luck in becoming an opportunity magnet for the best things in life.